Welcome back. This is episode number 105 of the Two Type Ones podcast. As always, before we get started, please remember that nothing that you hear in the Two Type Ones podcast should be considered medical advice or otherwise. Please always consult your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes management. Don't forget to like or subscribe to the show so you're notified when we drop new episodes every single week. Also, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And if you're on a platform that allows you to write a written review, we'd love to hear your feedback. Do you like the show? What type of topics do you want us to talk about in the future? Written reviews and five-star reviews really help the show grow. And we really appreciate everyone tuning in week by week. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We hope that you enjoy this episode if this is your very first episode and continue listening week by week. Lastly, make sure that you're sending in your questions because next Friday we're going to start answering these questions that we're getting through dms on instagram and through our email so make sure that you're sending in your questions we're going to pull probably one maybe two depending on how deep the questions are every single week so you are going to one have your question answered by us and two you're going to get a shout out and a thank you for sending in your questions so we're going to pull one of those every single week so make sure you send in your questions um, you can DM me on Instagram or you can uh, send us an email at the two type ones podcast at gmail.com. So please send in your questions every single week, whatever questions you have. Are you struggling with something? Are you not struggling with something? What's going on? What questions do you have about diabetes? Hopefully we have the answer. Hopefully we have a perspective uh, to share with you to give you a little bit more clarity on that question. Um, so we're excited to start doing that starting next week. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Um, unfortunately, Graham is not with me today. Our schedules weren't able to align this week uh, due to our busy, busy work schedules. Um, but you've got my amazing voice today. So we're going to make this short. Um, I've been thinking about something that I wanted to share with everyone. And this is a, a perfect opportunity to do this um, because I've suffered from a couple the last couple weeks um nothing crazy bad but it made me think that um i should bring this up and today's topic is going to be on lows and everything really everything that i think about lows if you've been listening to this show for a while you've probably heard us talk about lows uh, i'm sure you've heard us talk about lows because we do talk about it a, a decent amount especially with guests but I wanted to preface how I think about Lowe's because I think I have a lot of questions and I'm going to present some of these questions and give you guys my thoughts, but I do have a lot of questions on Lowe's because I feel like in the diabetes world, maybe more with type one than type two, um, but I feel like in the diabetes world that we we're so afraid of Lowe's, so afraid of Lowe's. But then when we think about it, we're, I don't feel like we're as scared or as terrified, however you want to describe it, of highs. Being over 200, being at 300, it's just like, oh, sh shoot, I'm, I'm at 300, I got to take care of it. Or, oh, crap, I'm at 300 or I'm at 400. Maybe when we get up into the 350s, the 400s, wherever you really start feeling highs, then it becomes maybe, you know, a more scarier thing for you. But I know for myself, like I don't, I don't worry about highs at all. 
And I don't really even worry about lows because I don't feel them. But I know that both of them, the highs and the lows, are, uh, they're, they're very, they're not great on the system, right? They're scary, they're dangerous. I guess you can put it in layman's terms that they're very dangerous, especially if you're staying there for a long, long period of time. So that's really my first question for you guys. How do you really think about lows? Are you more afraid of the low or are you more afraid of the high? And I think this is an important piece to understand because I've talked to so many diabetics that are so afraid of the lows and going low, maybe because they had a really bad situation before, they haven't had a, a really, or the diabetic society, the diabetes community, and endocrinologists and doctors has have pressed upon you how dangerous lows are. Um, maybe this is the reason why you're so afraid of going low. And I don't want this conversation to think that I don't think lows are dangerous or scary or that I am advocating for you to go low because I'm not. I'm absolutely not. I hate going low too. It's the, it's, it is by far the worst thing about diabetes to me is that free fall of if you're wearing a CGM, the double arrows down um, or just that, that feeling of just going, dropping really fast or even being low and having symptoms of low. So I, I know it's very a very scary thing, but I wanted to bring it up because it's it's a, a very curious thing to me because we, we talk so much about not going low, but I don't know if we put the same emphasis on being high. It, we don't want to be high. Doctors don't want you to be high. Community doesn't want you to be high. But I don't know if we have the same thoughts about being high. That's my first question to you. Answer that for yourself about lows, because this episode is predominantly about lows here, is do you when you go low and you're feeling it, you're you're just you're really feeling it. Maybe you're under seventy five, maybe you're under sixty, whatever that number is where you really start feeling you're low. Do you panic? Do you panic when you go low? Because this is a, a strategy that I've learned and I used to panic a lot, like especially if I'm like really falling and I'm under 60 and I'm still falling. I've got that trending arrow down and we know that trending arrow is going to, I know I'm going to be probably 30 to 60 points um, lower than I am right when I see that number within, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. And that's a scary thing. So do you panic? If you do panic, how do you deal with it? You just like freak out and start eating everything in sight? Or do you have a strategy in place to bring that low up? Here's what I do. Like I said, I used to panic. I try not to panic anymore. First thing I do, depending on what the number is actually telling me and what the trend is, do I have a trending arrow down? Or do I have a, holy shit, I'm falling down, arrow down? Because these are two different strategies for me. 
If I've got a trending arrow down, or maybe it's just flat. Maybe it's just flat and it's slowly coming down. It's not trending down. It's just, it's it's steady there for a second. And I've got some insulin still working in the background because I'm on a pump. So I'm, I know that. If you're on MDI and you're really good at MDI, maybe you know, maybe you're keeping track of the life cycle of that bolus or the basal that you, you know, well, you wouldn't have the life cycle of the basal. Maybe you would, but it's probably easier to think about the life cycle of the bolus. Anyways, so I've got some insulin working in the background. I've got either a steady arrow or a trending arrow. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to have two different strategies here. One is a strategy of what I'm talking about right now where I am steady and I've got a trending arrow down if I have fruit because this is this is one thing that I see a lot in our community is we just go for something right it's it's an those lows and I did this when I was first diagnosed and I was in denial those lows were excuse to have something that I wanted like some candy or some ice cream or you know whatever it is foods or something that isn't the healthiest for me. And when we're talking about overall health, we need overall health. And we need to be thinking about this as we be, you know, being a diabetic, because no matter if you're really good at diabetes or you're not really good at diabetes, diabetes is potentially going to take years off your life. So my thoughts are, if that is the case, and because I was in denial for three years and I have probably have some, you know, overlooming things going on because I was so out of control for so long that there probably is some internal damage in some sense. Maybe there's not, but that's how I think about it. And so in this instance, when I'm treating lows or even when I'm treating highs, I want to try to treat this in the best way that I believe is going to help me in the long run. And constantly eating candy, constantly getting high fructose corn syrup from different foods that we consume is, to me, that's not the best option. So I'm going to try to, uh, my best way to treat lows is with fruit. I love bananas. I love grapes. But here's the other thing with fruit that I've recognized that, you know, thinking about myself, talking with other people in the community that kind of do the same strategy is I can't just pick up something as an example, like a banana and eat the whole thing, depending on what the trending arrows are telling me, right? If I've got no insulin on board, I probably, I'm definitely not going to, tr to treat that with the whole banana. I probably am not going to treat the whole with the whole banana anyway, but if you have to think about it, if I'm going to treat this low, with an entire banana, obviously there's different, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously there's different sizes of bananas, so they're really going to have different carb loads. So if I, if I treat with a whole entire banana, and I'm not falling, and it, it's, maybe I'm just steady at 60, whatever it is, but I'm still feeling it. I still need to treat this thing. I treat a whole banana, depending on how insulin resistant you are, Depending on, depending on how insulin sensitive you are, depending on how long your body starts breaking down that banana, because every person's different, 
I two hours later, I might be 200 again or 180 or 170. That's not what we want. We want to treat these lows and still be able to get to wherever we want to be. For me, it's going to, in that instance, it's going to probably be, I want to, if I can, if I can treat this low and in two hours be at like under 120 or like 110 or like 100, that was a perfect, perfect strategy, perfect thing that I just did in treating that low. So there's one thing you have to think about when treating lows and treating with different foods. Now, let's go on the flip side, right? Let's go on the flip side. Um, maybe you're a young athlete and you're on the field and playing and uh, you've got a little bit of insulin on board because you ate before you went out to practice or to a game and you really start falling. I mean, you are falling and you feel it and you feel it and you feel it and you're still falling. Maybe you're getting down into the 50s. In this instance, this is a perfect time to panic, but under control. Not panic and just freak out. But but panic, but, but have your emotions under control. In this instance, you just need to get up to be safe, right? You don't need to pass out. We don't want you to pass out. We don't, we don't want any of that. So just treat it however you need to treat it, whether that's a juice box, whether that's a, a piece of candy, whether that's glucose tablets, whatever it is. Just treat the darn thing. If you feel like this could be a issue in the next 15 to 20 minutes or maybe a half hour, just treat it. Just get after it and treat it. Like I don't I don't want this conversation to make you think that like oh well you shouldn't be doing what you should be what you're doing. I just want you to be safe and I want you to be able to be in a position where 2 hours later you're not at 200. And now you're riding a roller coaster for the next two to three hours. So that's treating lows on how I think about it. Don't panic because when we panic, that's when now we're at 200, 250, 300 because we ate everything in sight. Don't panic. Have a strategy. Have a plan A and a plan B. A plan A is what can I consume and get my blood sugar to where I want it to be. And I can't tell you what that is for you. You have to figure that out for yourself. But what what do I want my blood sugar to be after I treat a low? Or where, do I just want to be in my target range? And maybe this is not your target range of your, of your um, blood sugar levels in terms of when we talk about time and range. Because if you're a person that has your time and range set to... 100 to 180, uh, me personally, again, me personally, I think that 180 is too high. The time and range is too big. My time and range is 85 to 150. And I still think that might be too big. But that's what's working for me. Again, you got to ask yourself what works for you. If you're just someone that want, likes to look at your CGM and see that you're constantly 70 to 75% in range all the time, but your range is 100 points, Okay, well, is that range too high? So have a plan A and a plan B on how you're going to treat your lows. That's the big takeaway from from this because I think I just this is just so important because overall health matters. It matters. The more you're riding roller coasters, the more you're 
blood sugar is up and down, up and down, and not in steady, having good steady lines, the higher your risk of having diabetes complications. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in a year, or whether it's in 30 years, the higher the risk of having diabetes complications, the more you ride the roller coaster. So, and this is one of the reasons why I think that A1C is so looked upon because it's a measurement that tells us a picture. And I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I do want to, I want to go back to this. I want to go to this because I've talked about this before in the show. Graham and I have talked about this before. A1C is not the end all be all. It should not be the only number that we're hanging our entire diabetes management on. It, it shouldn't because it only tells a picture. If you think about all of the times, if you're on a CGM, all the times that you look at your CGM and you see the roller coaster, A1C does not tell you what the roller coasters are, when they are, what they're doing, what the trends are. It doesn't tell you that. It just says, hey, over the past three to four months, you were th- this average glucose. Okay, great. If my A1C is my average has been 150, that's really not that bad. I mean, I, I mean, it it's like close to a six five, I think. But what about all of the times that you were high? What about all the times that you were low? Because going high and low have consequences. Small ones, if you have, if you don't do it all the time and you have more steady lines than you do roller coaster lines up and down up and down but they still have consequences because every time that you're low and you every time that you're super low and you have to go to your uh, plan b strategy when you're low of just treating it those are scary times if you are someone that has severe highs and you have a lot of symptoms when you're high that's a scary thing So make sure that you have these strategies in place. Make sure that you know what you're going to do in those situations. And I will say this, we're talking a lot about how scary and detrimental these roller coasters and these highs and lows are to our body and to our life. But also, I'm going to preface this. At the end of the day, the more of those you have over your journey the better handle you're going to be have or the better handle you're going to and really understand how to actually treat them and what's going to work for you when you treat them, right? Because again, we are all unique individuals and how you treat your diabetes is not the same way as I'm going to treat my diabetes. If you have a sibling or a family member that's a diabetic, how you treat your diabetes is probably not the same as how they treat their diabetes. So it's an important piece to think about that you have to figure out what works for you. I'm going to leave you with one last little question. And this is a this is an interesting one that Graham brought up to me actually before in a previous episode. And I never really thought about it until after we released that episode. And the question is, if you are on a CGM and you're looking at your number and you're looking at your trend arrows... And let's just talk about lows because that's what this episode is about. If you're having a low 
and you have a trending arrow down or you have a falling arrow or maybe you have a steady arrow, does looking at that number and looking at those arrows change the way you feel and think about that low? I think this is this was a very interesting thing when he asked me this question because I was like, no, it's like it's a low. It's the number's a number. But when you think about it, and if you're not on a CGM, you can probably relate to this next part is when when you when your CGM isn't working, if you're on a CGM and it's not working, or maybe you're just doing manually manual sticks, finger sticks, and you feel, let's say you're doing manual finger sticks and you and you feel low. Is do you feel the same way about that low? Do you freak out and panic the same way when you're low and you feel and you haven't and you haven't yet got to test yourself, but you know you're low because you can feel it? Do you have the same emotion then as if you're actually looking at your CGM and looking at the number and watching it fall, watching it steadily go down? I would say no. I would say no, you looking at the numbers are going to change your emotion about it. Which is, I just thought that was an interesting thing to point out. For me, I'm I'm curious to know what you guys think about that. And send me a message on IG. Send me, or send me an email, the 2 type ones podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's, uh, it's just an, an interesting thing that I didn't really think about a while back when he brought that up. So I wanted to bring that up. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening uh, to just me today. Uh, I know it's uh, it's probably a lot more engaging if um, Graham and I both are arguing and yelling at each other and talking. It's probably a lot more fun. But um, I want you to just to think about this conversation. It's 20, we've been talking for 20 minutes, just about 21 minutes. And do you have a strategy when you do lows, when you have lows? Do you not have one? Do you have one? Because it's it's an important piece. And I think that you have to think about what the number is and how you're going to deal with that number. I I really like having an idea when I go into different situations on what how I'm going to respond to that situation. And that's why I like to think about this as a plan A, plan B. Plan A I'm going to try to get something that's wholesome and healthy to bring up my sh- my blood sugar. Plan B, I just need to treat this thing with whatever I have, right? I, I've been in situations in plan B where I'm falling and I'm 43. I'm f- <laughs> I've been 34 before. And in that instance, like the panic starts setting in and you just, you got to try to really think about stepping back into yourself and getting it back up, whatever it is. And in that situation, I think one of the most, one of the hardest things to do as you're panicking, as you're trying to bring this thing back up, as you feel like crap, as you might even feel like you're going to pass out, is to take another step back and understand not to eat so much. And that's why it's important to have this strategy. I, for the most part, if I've got fruit, my plan B is still fruit. Even though it still might take a little bit longer than maybe a juice box. So what is your plan A and what is your plan B? 
And send me a message about that. I'd love to know what your plan A and plan B is. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see everyone next time.